Welcome to the Voices of Women Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tatiana Resnik, a practicing physician and a certified life coach. You will hear about inspirational journeys and practical tips from amazing women physician experts, as well as effective coaching tools and steps to joyful success. Welcome everyone to this episode of Voices of Women Physicians podcast. And I'm very happy to introduce to you today our guest, Dr. Bolandli Akinranbi. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Resnick. Thanks for having me today. We will be speaking today about very interesting topics. And first, I want to let Dr. Akinranbi to introduce yourself. Please tell us a little bit more. So awesome. Thank you. As Dr. Resnick said, I'm Dr. Bolandli Akinranbi. I'm a psychiatrist. I'm also the founder of Bright Minds MD, a private psychiatry practice servicing New Jersey and New York, and it's where we help people with depression and anxiety feel better using fewer medications and wellness practices. This is wonderful. And tell us a little more, for how long do you have this practice? And is it brick and mortar or is it telemedicine? This practice started out in 2016 as a solo practice with just me, and it was an in-person practice at the time. And over time, it has morphed into a group practice with other clinicians joining me in the practice. During the pandemic, we pivoted fully into telepsychiatry, and we've remained that way because it has been popular with our patient population. So you have experience in both, right? It is wonderful. So tell us a little more about how did it start? How did you choose it? And how did you choose where to even start? What were your first steps? So I decided to start a private practice when I became a mom. And my motivating factor was that my life was changing and I needed more flexibility in my work life. And when I explored options at the time, it seemed like the only way to really get that was to be more independent. I didn't start immediately by opening the practice. I actually did some community work as a packed psychiatrist, which was a perfect way to start because it offered me flexibility working in the community, visiting patients in their home, but also allowed me the freedom and cushion to begin to put together the groundwork for a private practice. Wonderful. Thank you. I am a life coach and I help women physicians. Many of my clients want to start their own private practices or other businesses. And it is always difficult to make this first step. So if you can tell us a little more about your first step, how did you figure out where to start legal and business paperwork? And the stage. Tell us a little. Of course. So it always helps to have people who've done it before me. And I'm very, very grateful. I was very lucky to have other people who already were in private practice to consult at the time to even know where to begin, because it can be a daunting thought when you don't know where to begin. And so I was fortunate to have the guidance of other people who already in practice who I could consult, and they gave me the initial lay of the land. So of course, the nuts and bolts, the obvious things are things that apply for any business, forming a business, registering it, opening a bank account. I got the lay of that from those people, but I also was able to have an accountant who provided these services to help with the registration, opening up an account, and show that I separated my personal funds from business funds from the very first day. Also, they helped with registration of the business, as well as the basic legal paperwork that applied to the business. Those were the initial things, and I think these things apply to all businesses. There's also the business insurance to consider, in addition to malpractice insurance insurance, which applies for anyone who works in medicine in general. So accountant and leaders. 
did you need an attorney for this or did you do a little super paperwork yourself? In the very initial stages, it was going online and we didn't use an attorney. We just used very basic legal Legalism. that were available online. Yes. Most recently, when we became a group, we did eventually hire an attorney to help make things a bit more solid. But online paperwork was adequate to start with. And how did you go about choosing to do insurance-based or cash-based or hybrid? Interesting. So I initially started out as a cash practice. And the reason behind that is that it was more flexible. It was just easy to start. It's you and the patient. You decide how much you want to charge. You make an agreement and you go for it. So it was easy to make that decision because it was an easier place to start. I also didn't have financial pressures at the time because remember I mentioned I had this community impact work that I was doing part-time so that allowed me a steady source of income. So I began to build a cash practice. Later on, I eventually pivoted into an insurance practice, and that was when I decided to make this my primary source of income, and I wanted to build a practice quicker, and insurance still remains a big referral source for most people, so I moved into becoming an insurance-based practice for that reason. Some challenges also with a self-pay model, as convenient as it was, was that for some people, sometimes it created delays in them, scheduling follow-up some maybe uncomfortable decisions that I may not have been mature enough in business for at the time that I certainly would be thinking about differently now with the benefit of experience. But those were the decisions that went into deciding to pivot into an insurance-based practice a few years into the practice. Very interesting. And in psychiatry, what practice kind of philosophy did you choose? Like therapy, medication management, or hybrid? So those are like three ways in which like many psychiatric practices practice today and everyone has their own philosophy. So clinics in general tend to be med checks, which is unfortunately one of the reputations of psychiatrists is that they just look at medications and write it and you go. So that's one model. And there's an argument for places where it can be appropriate and adequate for care. The classic model is the model where therapy is a primary and focus of treatment. What I chose was some sort of a hybrid setting where I didn't see people hourly, weekly, for therapy, but currently see people in 30-minute visits with medication management, but also allowing for time for at least some basic supportive therapy. And this is because in general, I do not enjoy very bony med management style of practice. A lot of what I enjoy in psychiatry practice is the ability to learn about people, get to know them, and be able to offer therapeutic interventions. So while I'm not a weekly therapist in the old classic sense of psychiatry, and neither am I a quick primary med focus, I've found a happy medium in the center where I can meet people for 30 minutes, which is a decent amount of time where I can manage your meds and provide some kind of therapeutic intervention, supportive, cognitive work, some kind of motivation motivational thing, depending on what they're presenting with. I've found a happy spot in that area. Sounds great. Like the best of us words, right? And now let's talk a little bit about practice model, like general or specialized care. So our practice is a generally adult psychiatric practice, so we're like primary psychiatric care. But I know that other people think about doing niche and specialized practices. And this is something I've thought back and forth about. So I'm not fellowship trained in a specialty, but even within the general world, using the idea of doing what you're very good at, what you're the best at, like your zone of genius kind of thing, I found that I enjoy working with people with anxiety, people with depression 
some ADHD, those are, I would say, my top three shift complaints or diagnoses. So my practice is geared more towards attracting patients suffering with those things. Again, I'm a general practitioner, but I get better and better in those areas. And so those are people I enjoy working with. I have some interest in women's mental health as well. And because we know there are not enough psychiatrists who take care of people in pregnancy or people in reproductive stage, either pre-planning pregnancy, I've taken time to continue to learn a bit more and more about care of the pregnant woman. I wouldn't say it's a big part of my practice right now, but it's something I'm challenging myself to continue to stay current with and to learn more about and to be a resource in the community for people who are planning pregnancy or who are currently pregnant who need mental health care so they can connect and be seen by me. And I'm seeing this in general, also in psychiatry with people finding out what they're very good at or what they're the best at and focusing that as their primary care, even though we're all good at many things, but maybe if we're the best at one or two things also, it helps and makes for an enjoyable practice to see more and more of those things. Yes, it is very wise. And now let's talk a little bit about when you just started in your regular office, brick and mortal office. How did you choose about like to buy or rent? Which one? Where? How did you navigate equipment if needed? And receptionist, EMR, fax, phone, this way. I started very bare bones. I started in a very interesting way because when I started, I was a little afraid and I wasn't sure how much to commit financially. And because I was starting out as a cash practice, I thought, hmm, who might have patients that I want? Or patients who would want to see me and who already would be accustomed to the self-pay model of practice. And so I did some Google searches. I found out there were primary care practices. I found, I think, two or three doctors who were already doing a DPC model of care. And I called and then a doctor, I don't want to name him, but I said, Hey, I'm a psychiatrist. I'm starting. Would you happen to have space in your office that I can lease for two half days a week or something like that? He said, come over. Oh, it's wonderful. I went to meet him and he said, Oh, this is great. Pediatric complaints. If you're next door, I can just send them to you. And that was my first office. It was inside an internist's office who was doing DPC. Internal medicine practices always have a couple rooms. They're never using all of them at once. So he allowed me to sublease one of his offices for about two days a week. And so it allowed me to enter practice with a very low overhead, low cost to begin with. It also offered me patients who needed to be seen anyway. It was perfect. It was a perfect union. And that's where I started. As far as EMRs, I also just wanted something simple that can one-stop shop allowed me to charge and record notes and message patients. I think my very first EMRs was Luminello. It was very popular with soul psychiatrist at the time. I've since moved on to something that had group availability now in Charm, but it was again talking to other people, what are you guys using? Networking with other people in the Facebook groups, what's good out there? And I picked one, started with it. I didn't have a receptionist on day one, but by the end of the first six months, I got so tired of answering my own phone because I found that when people called for consultations, it's been like an hour talking to them before they booked their first appointment. I said, this is not efficient. This is not effective. I'm doing this one hour of talking to people without really a commitment for treatment and it didn't seem efficient. So I found someone who was willing to have my calls forwarded to them from the practice line and I didn't pay a whole lot for them. They were a 
college student and it was extra money for them. They didn't have to sit at the desk. I just had my calls forwarded to them. We had an agreement and they answered my calls and they booked my appointments. And that was immediately life changing to not constantly be on my phone doing my own receptionist. I think that was my first employee. It was a pretty soft agreement, but that was a great way to offload the burden of just answering my calls and screening constantly. And so then they would only pass on to me people who they felt were a great fit for the practice. I think I did that within the first year of starting practice because fielding calls was so time consuming. Oh, yes, totally. And when you switch to telemedicine, tell us a little bit more about practical part of it. Like, did you need to get a lot of licenses in advance? So the pivot into tele, I would say, was a bit smoother for our practice because even before COVID, our practice was already set up to offer tele. And that's because, remember, even though by then we were an insurance-based practice, we always had a population of self-paid patients. And so it was really insurance that was in the way of telemedicine before COVID anyway. Insurance didn't reimburse for it, but there were no legal laws that said you couldn't see people via telehealth for the psychiatry practice unless you were prescribing controlled substances. That was when you were required to do in-person visits. So our practice was already set up for tele. I had the self-pay patients who were at work and always logged in for their appointments from home. And we already had a tele platform to use for that. I think in the beginning, so we had both, our practice had Spruce, which had a inbuilt video platform, which we didn't use a whole lot, but we had patients who use that. And so we had that in place. So when we had to shift to tele, we already had the tele platform in place. We already had the agreements. It was already written into our practice agreements. It wasn't just a matter of we're not in office anymore. You're seeing us online. So there was not a whole lot of changes to be done for us, except for now continuing to keep up with the changes because now during COVID, we were allowed to prescribe controlled substances to people during that time. And the laws and the rules were relaxed a little bit. It's more about giving advice and making sure that we were keeping in line with those rules. In terms of practical aspect, it was just finding the platform, but we had an existing platform before that. Oh, sounds great. And how about marketing and ads? How did you let people know that you exist? So that's changed. We have, of course, originally it was pretty simple. We had a database. Psychology Today was everywhere where the psychiatrists and psychologists put our profiles. It was pretty simple in the beginning. I did trial ZocDoc for a little bit and quickly decided that was not financially, for our model anyway, for what they charge and what we got out of it wasn't as useful. And then over the last couple of years, I've come to realize that the majority of patients come from word of mouth. If you see someone and they enjoyed your services or liked it, they're likely to recommend other people. Or if people have seen internists or therapists who've worked with you and like the communication collaboration, they're more likely to refer. So what I've focused more on lately is meeting other people within the community who might have the patients that need our services, letting them know that we're here, meeting them either at networking events, phone calls, Zooms, even just providing feedback after seeing one of their patients gets us a few minutes to talk. And then so they know I'm here, they understand what work I do. And so then next time that they have patients, they think of me. Sorry about that. And then also we've had a presence on social media now, also putting out useful topics or information on social media. So that's where we are now in terms of letting people know about our services and what we do and connecting with them. It is very helpful for us physicians who want to open their own private practices, whether in person or telemedicine. What would be three main points, three pieces of advice which you would like to give them? Like any mistakes to avoid, anything specific? 
things to avoid, I would say things more to think about that there is not one way to do practice. Once you're in private practice, you can tailor it to fit your own vision, your own goal and your philosophy of care. How do I want to serve people? What do I want to deliver? And I think that once we first are clear about that, then we can design the practice anyway. I've seen so many styles and designs of practice. As far as advice, I want to recommend to people to think early about getting help because I think physicians in general, we like to do it all ourselves. And we can do a lot of things by ourselves, but is it efficient to do everything by ourselves? Is it the best use of your time? Going back to my example of getting someone quickly to answer my phone calls, for my rate an hour, answering all those phone calls was not the smartest use of my time versus getting someone to answer it early in the game. I think as I progressed in business, I started to learn the value of my time and how best my time is used versus trying to do everything else myself. But I think sometimes the cost deters people. Luckily for us, psychiatry, I would say has a very low bar, low cost to entry. So that shouldn't be a barrier. I feel like you can start a psychiatry practice under a tree. As long as you can find some privacy and talk to someone and you have your brain with you, you could probably do some care. We have a very low barrier to entry. So for psychiatry, at least I would say, if you have an idea, a way to help people, something that's unique to you, please don't be afraid to go out there and do it. Get help and talk to other people who've been doing it before. You might learn something. I'm constantly learning something by talking to other doctors and psychiatrists. This is very helpful. Thank you. And for our listeners who would like to connect with you, I will put in show notes the best way to connect. And if you also can tell, okay. I mentioned our practice website. It's at brightmindsmd.com is where we do appointments. We have some resources. We post some of our YouTube videos out there. We also have a YouTube channel. It's brightmindsmd live. And I personally am also on Instagram talking every now and then about different things that interest me relating to mental health. I'm at dr underscore balanli. That's dr underscore b-o-l-a-n-l. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed it or found it helpful, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. Have any topics you'd like covered? Send me an email at joyfulsuccessliving at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram to connect at joyfulsuccessliving.com. Have an amazing week. See you next time. The Voices of Women Physicians podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any medical, financial, tax, legal, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own well-being, decisions, and results. Dr. Resnik is a practicing physician But Voices of Women Physicians podcast is not reflective of the opinion of her employer. You should always contact professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.